Thank you for joining the Pinewood Church Podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you fresh perspective on how God is moving in your life. For more information, visit us at pinewoodboulder.com. Enjoy the message. Man, I count the joy in every battle because I know just where you'll be. Aren't you glad today that Jesus never leaves you alone? It doesn't matter what you go through. I mean, isn't, isn't this crazy to think about? You know, since somebody turns their back on me, I'm like, go on then. I don't need you anyways. Aren't you glad that even when we turn our back on God, he's, he's like, he's still right there with us in the, in the fire. Maybe you're here today and, and you're like, man, I'm in, I'm in the middle of it. I'm in the middle of something really challenging and really difficult. Man, this song should be an inspiration for you. It should encourage your soul today. Count the joy in every battle. Why? Because Jesus is right there. He's close, and he's leaning in today, and I hope you feel that. I hope you're encouraged today. Now, I just said this when, earlier, but, you know, I don't know how you came in. You know, so I know, I know, because we read the prayer cards, my, my wife and I do. I know there's a lot going on in your life. And, and I hope that you feel like this is a safe space that you can share that with somebody. Uh, I love what Scripture says. It actually even says this uh, in Colossians. I was reading this earlier today, that we actually bear one another's burdens. And then it says in Scripture as well, like, like when you weep, I weep. When you rejoice, I rejoice. And, and, and I hope you feel that today. I, if there's something on your heart, something on your mind today, let, let me carry that for a little while. Let, let us shoulder each other's loads today so that we can uh, be encouraged and leave lifted and inspired today. Does that sound good? I love that song, man. Woo! Love that song. We're... Might have to come back to that one. Didn't plan it. Sorry, team. But I don't know. We might. Uh, we're working through a series right now in the book of uh, Colossians. And uh, it's been an exciting series. Have you enjoyed the series? Has it been good? It's been good. Uh, actually, before I get into the series, I was going to share with you about my shirt. Let's, before I dive into the message tonight, can I just take a pause for a second? And just can we talk about my swag? I, I was going to talk about my wife, too. She looks so good tonight. I love her. We got, we got some, uh, some new swag out there, team. Check it. Woo. If only I could fill out this shirt, that'd be even better. But, uh, but no, it's a, uh, we got some new Pinewood swag uh, tonight in the bag. We'd love to get it. We got Jake, man in the orange. He's the only one in an orange shirt tonight, so you can't miss him. He's going to be in the bag tonight. Uh, go back and get you, get you some swag. He's going to hook you up, get you a deal. Back to the series. Sorry, I, I want to talk about, talk about the shirt for a second. Uh, Colossians. We're working through the book of Colossians, and this is our fifth week in the book of Colossians. I had it in my heart that we were going to make it through the entire book. It's not going to happen, team. Uh, you know, we got diving into the book. It's so rich. It's so good that it took four weeks to make it through half the book. And so that's okay. We can always come back and finish it later, uh, and we'll talk about all of those things. But I wanted to wrap up the book of Colossians in chapter 4 of what I believe Paul says, all of these things to come to this, and he says to do these two things. The title of the message, the theme for the message is these two things. Will you say that with me? These two things. How many things are there? Just two. Pretty easy, pretty easy to remember. Let me give you a brief uh, context before we dive into this text. Uh, Paul 
was an apostle. And he's the one that's actually writing this letter to a church in Colossae. Now, what you need to know about Paul is, Paul was an apostle, but he didn't plant this church. You know how like we plant, like we are here, we planted this church. Paul didn't plant the church at Colossae that he's writing to. And it's actually said that he's, he never actually visited this church before physically. But he heard about what was going on at this church through one of his converts that was on one of his missionary journeys. So here you have Paul, a missionary, traveled around. Somebody on one of those missionary journeys came to faith. His name is Epaphras, and he, it's thought that he was a, nat, a native of Colossae. So here he came to faith. He said, I'm going to go back home, and I'm going I'm to tell the people in my hometown about what I just learned. So he goes back to Colossae, and he starts this church. But then later, Paul hears about what's going on at this new church in Colossae, that there was this heresy creeping in. This heresy, this non-belief. They were trying to diminish the deity of Jesus. There was this mix of this Greek philosophy and Jewish legalism, all kind of sandwiched in together, uh, known as syncretism. And they were known also, it's later known, these people were, would have been known as the Gnostics. Already, y'all are like sweating over there. You're like, where is he going? Syncretism, Gnostics, legalism, what, what are all, okay, I'm going to try to simplify it for you. Here, here's what was going on. There was a group of people in Colossae who believed that you needed some special and secret knowledge to have a relationship with God. And it was just for a few select people that had this, not, this knowledge, which Gnostics is, this, the word actually means to know. It's a Greek word that means to know. This is special to know knowledge. And it's a word that you may be familiar with that's the opposite of that. It's agnostic, which is you, you don't know. But they were the Gnostics. They were the ones in the know. And so this whole book and kind of the brushstroke of all of Colossians is Paul writing saying, hey, Jesus is God. You're trying to reduce him down to only a man and take away and strip him away of his deity. But no, he's, he, Jesus is fully man and he's fully God. And we saw back in chapter 1 where he's head over all creation. We see that Jesus is the center and his supremacy is declared in the gospel message, in redemption, in creation. It even says in uh, Colossians 1 that he's the head of the church. Basically, in Colossians, the big theme is that Jesus is supreme over all. Numero uno, priority one. He's everything. He's enough. And so all of that in Colossians, he writes and he, he corrects some error in their doctrine and theology. And then he all wraps, he comes up at the end of, uh, beginning of chapter four, and he says, hey, Here's a few things, after I've said all of that, here's a few things that I want you to focus on. Here's two things that I want you to really, really focus on. And let's read and let's see what he says. Colossians 4, verses 2, and we're going to look through verses 2 through 6. So just a few verses tonight. This is what he says. Devote yourselves to prayer. Stay alone in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for us for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. Act wisely toward other outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, 
so that you may know how you should answer each person. Let's pray before we dive into this text. God, we love you so much. We're so thankful for your word. We thank, we're thankful that your scripture says that as your word goes out, it will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent and that it will have success. So, Father, today we, we don't lean on opinion. Uh, we don't lean on preference. We lean on your scriptures and, and what you wanted to communicate through that. So, Father, we ask that uh, you would speak through me today, that your, the Holy Spirit would be the teacher. And uh, as we know, as the Holy Spirit does, Father, we know that it's going to touch everybody here in a very individual way and that they're going to leave uh, changed better than the way they came in. So God, thank you for answering our prayer. Thank you that we can uh, come together tonight and worship your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So the two things are this. Prayer, pray and proclaim. Pray and proclaim. And we're going to unpack both of those things in our brief time together. But those are the two things that Paul is demonstrating here and we're going to talk about. Pray, proclaim. Pray, proclaim. You got it? Let's work through that. He starts off, devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. And already, I already know, because I feel it too. Anytime I hear a pastor open up and say, we're going to talk about prayer, what happens immediately? You start feeling guilty, right? Am I the only one? Uh, so so, be, so that, I, that doesn't happen, because I don't want y'all to feel that, we're going to go ahead and like just get something out. How many of you here today, and yeah, you're going to need to raise your hand. How many of you here today would say, um, my prayer life is not where it should be? Okay. So everybody feels a little better? <laughs> I get it. I, 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 my hand is up too. I, my prayer life isn't where I want to be. But my prayer for us today, my hope for us today, is that we leave with some better tools so that our, our prayer life isn't where it is, but where it could be. And so we're going to talk about just a few, just things that Scripture teaches us today that may improve your prayer life. Is that okay? He starts off by saying, devote yourself to prayer. And I love the connection that Paul draws consistently in his word between a relationship to God and prayer. It seems to be like Paul's thing is prayer. Talks about it all the time through all of his writings. And whenever, whenever my wife and I uh, started dating, uh, I devoted myself to my wife when I said, will you marry me? That was a pretty big deal. I dropped a knee. I bawled my eyes out like any good man should. <laughs> Just kidding. If you didn't cry when you took a knee, it's okay. But I, I, I am a crier, so I bawled, and, and she said yes, and it was, I bawled some more. And then uh, I devoted myself to my wife. I made a commitment to my wife. In doing that, in making a commitment to my wife and devoting myself to my wife, that also meant that I was devoting myself to talking to her. This may seem very profound for some of you, but it, it means that it, they're, they're, they're together. Those things go hand in hand. And early on, whenever... Uh, we got married. We had busy lives. Anybody here live busy lives? I would say every single one of you are busy just because I know you live in Boulder. So you have to work like 140 hours a week just to pay for your rent. So I understand like <laughs> the struggle is real. Like, mm, you're all busy. Not only that, but you're all just high performance people. You all can run. I, I used to say that I was a runner before moving to Boulder. People would say, what do you do? I was like, well, I'm kind of a runner. You know, I do this. Uh, and then my first week here, we were talking to somebody, 
And I think I may have opened up with I'm a runner and all this stuff. And I was like, what do you do? He's like, well, you know, kind of my thing is a bicyclist. Like, I like to bike. I like to bike. I was like, okay, that's cool. And then about 10 minutes later in our conversation, he starts talking about all these ultra marathons he's run, all these triathlons he's done, and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, I don't really run. It's not really my thing. I, uh, it's more of like a, just kind of a, a short walk. Yeah, like a short jog to the park and back. Because if he goes like, oh, he's a runner. You want to go on a run? I'm like, <laughs> but anyway, back to my wife. So we live a busy life. We were both starting businesses early on in our marriage. And so, you know, it was just easy to get distracted in life. But we had some mentors speak over our life, and, and, and we really wanted to grow and have a healthy marriage. And they said, in order to have a healthy marriage, here's some, some handles. Here's some things that you could do in your marriage that may help. And he said, dialogue daily to spend time in your day to dialogue whether it's a phone call, hey, just call and check in, see how you're doing. Or when we come home, we sit down, have a conversation, dialogue daily, uh, date weekly, and depart quarterly or annually based on the season that you're in. Very simple, right? Easy enough to do? It's hard. It's still a challenge. Like, that was something that we committed to early on, but I'm not going to lie. There have been many seasons where, like, we'll get a couple weeks out in and we're like, we got to go. We're like, why, is, why are we on the struggle right now? We got to go on a date, man. We got to talk about some things. Or we haven't been good with our rhythms of dialoguing daily. Here's what I know and here's what you know. Is it possible to show your devotion to somebody without communicating with them effectively? Is that, is that possible? I don't think so. I think the... Like, communicating with somebody in an intentional way, like setting aside time to have a conversation with one, I think shows your affections to them. So if you, if you want to show somebody that you're dedicated to them, carve out some time to sit and listen to them and say, hey, how you doing? Hey, here's what's, got, here's what's going on in my life. You be real, you share some stuff, and that shows your devotion and affection. I don't think you can separate the two. Not only that, not only do I think you cannot separate the two, but... Just thinking about, you know, a relationship with my wife, if our communication is bad, well, then that affects our, our relationship, obviously. And when our relationship and communication is affected, guess what else that affects? Every other relationship in my life. It's, it's, it's for real. When the struggle is bad here, the struggle is bad here. Uh, if, if I'm short with my wife, I'm 100% going to be short with you. If, I, if I'm hot-tempered about my wife, I'm going to be all over you. That's just the nature of it. Because those that are closest to you, how to treat them. I mean, they're, you're, they're the ones that you're most vulnerable with. And so the same, the same I believe. And if you're here today and you're not married, I wanna, you're, you're like, oh, I'm off the hook. I'm not married. No, I'm coming at you right now. Uh, no, those that are closest to you in relationships. Maybe it's your roommate, maybe it's your coworker, or the person that you live with, the same is true about that, or your family member that you're really close with. If that relationship is on the rocks, guess what? Every other relationship is going to be on the rocks as well. If that communication is on the struggle bus, so are your other relationships, I guarantee it. So what does that mean for us in devoting ourselves to prayer? Let's just think about this. If your relationship with God isn't where it should be, and your communication to God isn't where it should be, you haven't devoted yourself to talking to God, to being vulnerable with God, being real with God, why do we think 
that, that's not going to affect all of our other relationships. It will. I can promise you that. And you may not even understand it at first. You may say, I don't understand. I don't understand why this is happening in my life. I don't understand why these certain relationships are struggling. I don't know why my marriage is struggling right now or why my relationships and friendships are struggling. I just want to encourage you today. I don't want to, I don't want to guilt you. I want to encourage you today. Talk to God. Say, God, I know it's been a while, but I'm kind of struggling right now. It doesn't have to be pretty. God doesn't want to hear eloquence. He wants to hear authenticity. You don't have to write a poem to God. You can be real. You can even be angry. You can be sad. God wants it all. He wants all of you. He wants all of your devotion. Let's be devoted to God in prayer. So pray. First is being faithful in our prayer by being devoted in our prayer life. I love what the scripture says here, and I'm just going to read a couple of these and move on, but it says in Acts 2.42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, of the breaking, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer. This is the early expansion of the church. What did they do? They devoted themselves to prayer. Uh, Acts 6.4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer. Romans 12.12, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice always, pray, Constantly. Ephesians 6, pray at all times. You see, you see a theme happening in the scripture here? Devote yourselves to prayer. Pray consistently. Pray at all times. Be diligent in your prayer. I believe that God's primary call in our life is not what we do for Him, but our intimacy for Him. And the same as our true in our relationship. I could do things for the people in my life that I love, and I could, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. But if I'm not talking to them and I'm not expressing my affections for them, is, is there really a healthy relationship? And I would, I would say no. God's primary call in your life is not what you do for Him. It's your intimacy with Him. And Jesus was the best example of this. If we're going to look at an example, it was Jesus. Jesus did this. How often did Jesus get away, walk away from the disciples to be with the Father? Even, we see that even in the Garden of Gethsemane. He pulls away. He gets alone with God. He prays. He weeps. Drops of blood. Even Jesus led out with the example of what it looks like to have intimacy and be devoted in prayer with the Father. I think, I think to wrap it all up, I think what I'm going to try to say as far as being faithful is, in whatever season you're going through, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Say that with me, everybody. Keep on praying. When life is crazy, keep on praying. Keep on praying. My life is gone. Keep on praying. My hormones gone. Keep Oh, man. You feel it? Feels good. Keep on praying. Whatever you're going through, whatever season that you're in, keep on praying. Shout out my top. Keep on praying. If you need a reminder, just listen to that jam and it'll remind you, okay. I was singing it with my daughter early this week and then I, I caught her later on. Just, I was, she was like kind of walking like this. She was saying, keep on praying. And I was like, oh, that's the cutest thing I've ever seen. That is the cutest thing I've ever seen. It's two years old. Keep on 
Pray and be faithful in your prayer. Uh, also, be expectant and grateful. I love what Paul says here in the scriptures. He says, stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Stay alert in it with thanksgiving. Alert with thanksgiving. Be watchful. Be expectant and be grateful. I love what he doesn't say. Have you ever read scriptures and thought, what does he not say? Uh, maybe this is me. I always think that uh, when I read a text, and I love that he doesn't say, be watchful and be fearful. I'm glad he doesn't say that. He doesn't say be watchful and be anxious. I feel like oftentimes that's how we pray. We're like, and, and if, you, if this is you and you do this thing, I'm not judging you, but, uh, but I don't, we'll just, okay, let's just say what I'm saying. But in scripture sometimes, and many, I'm guilty of this, I've done this before, but when you, when you pray sometimes, you're like, say, let's say you want a better job. God, I, I, I want... <laughs> I want, a better, I want a better job. I'm believing for a better job. God, give me a better job. But I believe that you're going to do this for me. I believe, God, you're, I have faith. I have faith, God. But if you don't, you know, I'll, I'll, still, I'll, st- I'll still love you. Has he, we've all done it. We've all done that. But, but if you don't, it's fine. Like, like I'll, I'll still trust you. Why do we feel like we have to give the God and creator of the universe an out just in case he doesn't follow through? I don't understand why we do that. He knows your heart. It says to come boldly before the throne to pray that if you ask it, he will answer. I believe that, and if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. There's so many scriptures that we could, we could talk up here, but I say let's be a people that pray expectantly. I love that he always pairs expectancy with gratefulness. Why? Because you can have joy in the battle because you know he's, who's there with you. Because whenever you pray and you're expectant, imagine you're on the, the, what it's referring to in the text is actually this expectancy of like standing on the edge of the lines of a battlefield, looking out, expecting uh, to win the battle. So we can stand there and pray expectantly. Why? Because we know that be vigilant because your enemy it's like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. What does the scripture say? Like, uh, I love what it says. Let's actually read what it says. Mark 14, 38. Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So what does the scripture say? It says that when you're standing on the edge of the lines and you're praying, uh, you're not only praying for protection because your, your flesh is weak, so you're praying for protection, protection, but you're praying from victory. From victory. That's why we can have grateful attitudes in every season. That's why we can be thankful in every season. Because we're not praying for victory, we're praying from victory in every season. And that's why we can have expectant hearts that when we pray something over our personal lives, when we pray something over our city, our family, our marriage, we should come boldly to the throne of God and pray expectantly. And not only pray expectantly, but instead of the but if you choose not to, God, I'll still love you, tagline that we like to put. Instead, say, God, I thank you in advance for answering my prayer. I thank you in advance. I, I've been, I've, we've, my wife and I, we've had some, some struggle times uh, in our life um, with uh, many different things, but with kids. I remember there being a season where we were in foster care. And um, foster care is difficult if you've never been in it because you have to care for children that you, you may not get to have very long. And then you may have to give those kids back into sometimes very challenging and painful situations that you know is not best for them. And, and you love this kid. And, and we've had to do that uh, many different times. 
And, uh, and I remember in those seasons thinking about these verses. You know, it's, it's one thing to pray and be thankful and be expectant when everything is awesome, which that may be many of you here today when you're like, it's as good as it gets right now. Oh, I got the dream job. I got the dream this, the dream that. I doubt that's anyone here, but there could be. And if it's you, we celebrate that with you. But for the rest of us, it's one thing to celebrate when things are great, but it's another to, to be expectant and be thankful when things aren't great and things are really, really, really hard. And I just want to encourage you today Paul is not writing this from a mountaintop overlooked view from a lake. He's writing this from prison. And, and he's in suffering. And, and he's writing this letter to say to be, be alert with thanksgiving, to be watchful for how God is going to move with thanksgiving. I'm going I'm to move on. The uh, other thing that Paul says here, he says, at the same time, pray also for us. Pray also for us. Uh, I think oftentimes whenever uh, we think about asking for prayer, it's, it's a scary thing to do, but I just want to encourage you today to be vulnerable with one another, to ask for prayer, because I believe that when you're vulnerable with one another to ask for prayer, or when you're vulnerable on those prayer cards, that you're actually demonstrating dependence on God and not yourself. You're saying, if this thing, if anything is going to happen in this situation, if my life is going to change at all for the better, this situation is going to better, it's going to be you, God. So therefore, I'm going to ask everybody I know, hey, will you pray for me? Hey, I'm going through a hard time right now. I'll surround myself with people that I know that are going to intercede for me because God answers our prayers, and I can't do it on my own. Let's, let's lean into what he says specifically, though. He says, uh, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door for us. I love this. For the word, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, so that I may make it known as I should. If I was going to be praying for open doors, and I was in prison, which doors would I be praying that would be opened? <laughs> the physical ones. I'd be like, hey, like, by the way, pray I get out of this joint. Pray I bust out of this joint. I got, I got a lot more life to live. That's not what Paul's praying here, which I think is so interesting. And this is, I, I don't want to miss this point, and then I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on, but I want us to kind of zone in for just a second, and I want us to think about what Paul is actually saying, saying, asking for intercession and prayer for himself. What is he actually saying? What if there is purpose in your prison? What if in the thing that you're going through, that is terrible, painful, hard, hard to overcome, this consistent thing that keeps happening? What if this thing is, that you're in, this struggle, what if there's actually purpose in it? I love that he prays like, hey, in, in this circumstance that I'm currently in that may not be that great, pray that God uses this to open doors that I might share the mystery of Christ and to make it known as I should. I think, I think we would see a significant shift, a movement of God happen if we would be more real, more authentic in our struggle, sharing with that, than trying to put on a mask and say that everything's okay and that I'm good. I mean, can you imagine what would happen? You just never know that conversation. This is something I've had to lean into heavily even just in my own life to say that it's okay to tell 
And I want to encourage you today, um, just think about the prison that you're in, the opportunity that God may have for you to share the gospel in the season that you're in. Leads us to the final, the final thing is this. The first thing is pray. And what's the second thing? Pray and proclaim. And the first, the first thing that I see in the text, he says to act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. Act wisely toward outsiders, making the most of the time. There's two different ways to proclaim the truth of God's word. Uh, you can do it verbally, you can do it non-verbally. And I think both are critical. Uh, how many of you know that communication is more non-verbal than it is verbal, right? doesn't matter really sometimes what you say, but how you say it. And your language of your body and your attitude. And I love that he says, act wisely toward outsiders making the most of the time. I want to give you three very, very simple handles on how to act wisely. And if you're taking notes, jot these three things down. One, ask for wisdom. This is very simple, very practical, but ask for wisdom. What does the scripture say? James 1, 5. Now, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should just ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. How simple is that? You're, you're in a struggle of wondering what to do. You need wisdom in your life for your action. Ask God for wisdom. The second thing, put wise people around you. We've talked about this at length here at Pinewood, but you are the sum total of the five closest people around you. If the five closest people around you are acting a fool, I hate to tell you, you're acting a fool. You're not the one superhero amidst all the idiots in your life. Can I say that? Is that okay? No, you want to put wise people around your life. And this is not me. The scripture says this. What does it say? It says, without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. Proverbs eleven fourteen. Also, Proverbs 24, 6, it says, don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having many advisors. What? Safety and victory. I want safety and victory in my life. So what does the scripture say? Put wise counsel around you. Seek wise advice. So ask for it. If you like wisdom, ask for it. If you like wisdom and you want to know how to have, act wisely towards outsiders, put wise people around you. And then thirdly, get in God's word. Because your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you want to walk in wisdom, you need to know what wisdom looks like. And that is found in scriptures. That's all I'm going to say about that. Proclaiming God's word with wise action. Second is salty words. It says, let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt. Now, this, uh, this may be kind of strange, but the word gracious is actually, uh, this has this word of almost like making your language attractive. Grace-filled, attractive, making your speech grace-filled. Second, seasoned with salt. What happens when you put salt on something? You make it delicious. Right? Am I the only one that loves salt here? <laughs> you get some of those Chick-fil-A waffle fries. You open up a little bit of that sea salt. Just watch it slowly. Just Or who's that, who's that guy? You know? Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. Salt. This just makes everything better. What does the scripture say? 
it says, to let your speech be grace-attractive and seasoned with salt. What he's saying is make your, your words be both attractive and delicious. Is it getting weird yet? You, know, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> but I think many of us have a different approach as it comes to proclaiming the gospel because uh, sometimes we think that we need to be combative or we need to win. I'm just going to be she's just straight in a sense of I don't really want to win. I want to introduce you to who Jesus is. Like, yeah, you may have certain behavior in your life and you may do certain things, and that's great. We can always talk about these certain things. That's not primary. That's not priority for me. Primary and priority for me is that I get an opportunity to share with you who Jesus is, what he's done for you, and how you can have a relationship with God. And I think there's a way that we can communicate with others that make that attractive. I believe as followers of Jesus Christ, we have the best news in the world. I was sharing uh, with a good friend of mine kind of a little bit about, you know, what I believe and he's sharing what he believes. And we were talking about, you know, all the different religions and all the different ways that you can believe and all the different things that you can believe. And, and you know, in that moment, in that moment, you know, you, you, you wrestle in your mind because you're thinking, man, like, I don't want to be combative here. But I also want to share what I believe about the truth of God's word. I believe that it's very hope-filled. And, and I just felt like the Lord was telling me these two words is, is guilt and grace. And I just said, you know, to be honest, for me personally, like even with my kids, I said, I, I want to raise my kids in a, with a belief system and a foundation of their life that says that you don't have to earn God's favor. You don't have to work really hard uh, and earn, earn God's grace but that God actually gives you his grace freely because he died on a cross for your sins. And I want my kids growing up with this understanding of God's grace on their life, knowing that it's not what I do, but what Jesus has done for me on the cross. Therefore, my kids, that's all they're going to know. And they, they grow up living in freedom, knowing that my sins have been forgiven. And I can live freely in Christ with no fear but knowing that the victory is already won. And I said, but I said, all the other religions, are, are, you never really know. So, so you may wake up one day and not meet the standard and feel, feel guilt and shame over your life. But others that you may feel good about, and I said, that's not the atmosphere. So I wanted in that conversation in a very practical way, I wanted to make it attractive for them. Come on, come to grace. Come to the hope that Jesus offers. Come receive the gift that he's offering you. By grace, you've been saved through faith. It's not anything that you do. It is a gift from God. And I believe there's a formula here that I want to share with you. And it's this. It says, wise actions plus salty words equals a clear message. Wise actions plus salty words equals a clear message. He says this in closing. So that you may know how I should answer each person. So that you may know how I should answer each person. And uh, I just want to, uh, if you could go ahead and stand to your feet, we're going to close with a final song. And we shared kind of a lot of different things tonight as it relates to our, our prayer life, as it relates to how we're supposed to pray and proclaim based on the truths found in uh, Colossians chapter 4. But now I just want to take a minute for us just to exhale, to reflect. Every, every time that we meet, uh, we always close in a song of response. And this is just a time where we can, uh, you know, pray in our seats, a time where we don't have to sing the lyrics. We can come before God. We can confess. 
but I, I want to invite you to do something a little bit different tonight. I want to invite you to come forward during our prayer time. And, and you may not all be able to fit around here. We don't have a lot of room, but come forward and fall on your knees in a posture of surrender to God. And I want you to pray and talk to him. Why? Why would, why, would, why would I request this of you? Because there's something to the posture of falling on your knees and opening up your palms as a sign of surrender to your King and your Lord, of saying, God, I'm coming back to you. God, I'm falling at your feet. You're my Lord. What do you want me to do, Father? Just talk to him. If there's something on your heart that, I, that maybe as I was sharing, God spoke to you on, lay that at his feet tonight. Let your coming down forward and getting on your knees be an expression that you're taking something that's going on in your life and you're laying it at the feet of Jesus and you're going to leave it there at the cross. And you're going to walk away a little bit lighter because that burden that you're carrying right now is never intended for you to bear. You're carrying around luggage that you're never intended to bear. God wants to shoulder that for you. He says that his burden is easy and joke is light. He wants to carry that for you so you can leave here free tonight. So I want to invite you as the band plays this last song, I want to invite you just to come down, fall on your knees, and pray right here at the altar. And give it to God. I'm going to pray and then we'll, we'll close in this final song. God, I, I thank you for our time together. I ask that tonight people would step out in faith and they would be bold. I pray that people would step out and, and they would lay it at the feet. Father, they would say that they have not been faithful in prayer. I pray they come forward and say, tonight I'm going to dedicate my life to be devoted in prayer. Father, for those that have been uh, watchful and anxious, that they would come down to the front and lay that at your feet and say, I'm going to leave here and be watchful and thankful. For those, Father, that maybe needs to intercede on someone's behalf, I pray that they would come forward tonight and pray for their brother, pray for their spouse, pray for their sister. Pray for their friend, pray for their coworker. And for those of us tonight, Father, that need to be more bold in proclaiming, maybe there's been this hypocrisy in our life where we, we say the right things, but we live a different way. Our, our, our uh, actions are not wise. Father, I pray that they come forward today and say, my words are gonna match my actions. My actions are gonna match my words, and I wanna be able to present a clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, we love you so much. We're so thankful for this time together. It's in your holy, precious name we pray. Our community at Pinewood Church aims to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus in Boulder and around the world. Thank you for your support. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find out more at pinewoodboulder.com or on any social media platform with the handle at Pinewood Boulder.